Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gannon from Find the Ranch. Welcome to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Gannon, and today I'm really, really excited uh, to bring Ray Clark from Truck Country onto the podcast. Uh, for those of you that don't know Ray, uh, Ray has a really, really cool role uh, at Truck Country in the training side, and uh, I'm excited to get to talk to him. He took part in a tech mission panel for our overview panel that just ended yesterday. So really excited to get Ray on the podcast and talk about uh, everything technician related, industry related. Ray's really, really passionate about it. So it should be pretty fun. So good afternoon, Ray. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Hey, thanks for all that. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I love talking to you because of your passion and, and really how much you, you really care about the industry. How, give us a little background on yourself. How did, uh, how did you get into the role that you're in today? So it's kind of, uh, kind of a long path to really, uh, to go over it. And I'm actually a little Northern New York country boy, um, way up north uh, i always kind of joke and said i had about a 40 minute drive and from new york and i could be into canada to make a sunday afternoon trip to uh through canada and back again so um while growing up i, I was fortunate enough i guess or uh, one of the guys that had a father with an excavating business and uh it was to the fact that we didn't take anything outside this our own shop. I mean, he would buy the parts, service manuals, and it's like, okay, we need to figure this out. And it was very rare that, you know, we had somebody else come into the shop or um, had to take any of our equipment, anything. So it was kind of cool for me growing up because anything was tracks or tires. I mean, it was around me. So my kind of overall mindset even growing up though was like I always wanted to see how everything ticked what made it work so I can remember a quick short story but I got a remote control car for Christmas one year and that afternoon of Christmas day I literally had it in pieces because I was curious to see okay so how do these how do the tires steer what's controlling them and uh, I remember my mom saying "Um, we just got that for you I said, don't worry, it'll be back together and it'll run. So I always was <laughs> like, like I'm very intrigued of finding things, uh, how it works and, and if I could fix it, if it was broke and I guess that sense of accomplishment. But so my senior year is really when it really kicked into gear. Uh, I, we, we had a Votech school, we called, it was called BOCES and I took heavy equipment repair and operation. And uh, Ohio Diesel actually came into our school and started testing us and next thing i know i'm sitting with a recruiter at the kitchen tables and uh, signing my uh my next uh 18 month uh, of my young adult life away uh, to go to cleveland ohio uh, and take uh, what they had for the very first ever master class so it was kind of cool to be part of that they actually combined a diesel and auto program and uh, it was 18 months straight, so no uh, summer break. My summer break was like the week of 4th of July was what they gave you. So there was no semesters, there was no summer break, there was no nothing, And uh, but it was really good. So like I said, that was kind of my start of the training and getting the educational side. And uh, 
came out of there, worked with my dad a little bit. And of course, all my dad's friends were loggers. So there was always some piece of equipment in our shop from a log truck to a skidder to my dad's trucks and pieces of equipment. I can remember actually, uh, I don't think I ever shared this one with you in our chats, but my dad called me up on a Friday night or a Friday afternoon and says, Hey, you need to come home for the weekend. I'm like, it's like a six hour drive, dad. I, you know, it's not like I typically plan these. <laughs> and uh, he goes, well, I got a blown head gasket on the dump truck. I have the parts. He goes, but I need it. I said, man, if I'm going to do this over the weekend myself, um, you got to get it started. And I got there Friday night. He had kind of all the fluids and stuff drained out of it for me and some of the basics apart. And Sunday, I believe midday, I was packed up, headed uh, to Ohio again. So, <laughs> you know, he had some free labor and uh, got the truck rolling for the uh, for Monday morning to start again. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's such a cool part about your upbringing is that, yeah, and something that you and I have talked about being similar, uh, having similarities between the two of us is growing up in a business and and really how much that teaches you. Uh, do you still kind of relate back to some of those experiences to where you're at now and, and really how that helped you out? Daily. I mean, literally daily. I mean, matter of fact, uh, I had a conversation with a couple of our trainers yesterday afternoon after the podcast and stuff. And I said, you know, if you think about it, you know, generations like us, we had, most of us had some opportunities, I guess, to see something, to touch something mechanical and do things. And now I look at some of the next generations that come through. Both parents are working. They're very busy. Nobody does their own oil changes anymore. You know, when was the last time you truly had somebody in a, you know, in their thirties or forties say, Oh yeah. Hey, my boy and I went out and we did a brake job on my car. It's like the world has come to that hurry up and wait type scenario, but I can't wait. So ah, I'm just going to go and get my brakes done somewhere. I'm just going to go and get my, oil changes so but as far as relating everything every day all the way not just in that whole concept of being a you know a diesel tech or a wrench head but the things that I can mechanically do or physically do around from a homeowner standpoint yeah I mean my wife has probably said multiple times she goes I would not even want to know how much money we've saved that you've been able to fix and do certain things around here without calling on plumbers, electricians, and I mean, I've gotten zapped a few times, of course, you know, she jokingly calls me tool time Tim because uh, <laughs> I'm always wanting to soup something up or just tweak it a little bit here and there. Uh, that's good to know. I, uh, I'll maybe try to find uh, an old school uh, home improvement shirt for you or something. I think oh, that would be, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, use it all the time. So explain to kind of our audience, what you do now. So the cool thing is for me is that I'm still loving everything that I do in my early fifties. So when I went out of college, like I said, I came back and I started turning wrenches with my dad in the shop and stuff and working on equipment plus working, um, kind of operating them and stuff. So I never did anything yet to kind of pay back what I, you know, what I did have for a college loan. So I got my foot in the door in an auto industry and I spent about 14 years as a flat rate technician for Chevrolet. And uh, really that's where the training side of it was like, 
you know, a couple of smaller independent shops here and there, but it was like, this is cool. They're actually sending me to school to learn more. And it's stuff that intrigued me. So through the years, I've uh, gone through um, the ranks, become a manager. And when I become the manager, it was kind of cool for me because I left the I left the bloody knuckles and the sore knees and back at, at work and nothing came home with me anymore. Um, it was more of a, of a mind type headache that would come home with me, but I'm a, I'm a kind of a leader type, not follow guy. So that's what put me into the ranks of that leadership. So let's see, I've been out in the Midwest now seven years. So I worked uh, with a, a very large family owned and operate or uh, owned and operated Freightliner dealership out there. And, uh, they actually had also equipment. So it honestly, I mean, it fell right into my realm, right? I mean, yeah. trucks, equipment, everything. So as a service manager out there, uh, I was probably a good seven plus eight years, nine years out there with those guys. And I just always wanted to make that next level step. I, I wanted to do a little more, but I was never that sales guy. So uh, looking for that, they had a corporate service manager, but I wanted, uh, you know, that was kind of what I was looking for. They didn't really, I think, want to pull me out of the dealership setting because of probably the money status and, and making a go of it on the dealership side. So right. I jokingly told my wife, I said, hey, uh, Truck Country's got a uh, ad in Dubuque, Iowa running for a service manager. Feel like moving? And she's like, <laughs> yeah, right. I said, no, I'm serious. My resume's going. And it literally went from the resume sent to a phone call to a airline ticket to you're not leaving until I get an answer from you. And seven years later, uh, here I am with Truck Country, very proud, very pleased, no regrets. And then uh, the cool thing is, yeah, I was the, kind of working at Dubuque, their corporate area uh, service manager. And two years ago, I moved into the training side of it. So they have two training centers now, and um, they never really had a uh, in-house manager or uh, supervisor, really. They had uh, just kind of some instructors that, you know, they did a good job. They, they did it, and I think corporate and shareholders and ownership wanted to, you know, wanted to keep going and knew that it needed just that next level leadership in there. So... Hmm. I raised my hand and two years ago, I took over the Dubuque location. And then uh, we have a sister company, Stoops, and they put up a training center last June. And then in January, the same manager out there, same my peer uh, retired. And uh, I guess I, my goofy self raised my hand again and said, <laughs> hey, yeah, I can take them both on. and." Uh, so here I sit uh, two years later running both training centers uh, with our senior technicians as instructors off the floor. Uh, honestly, our, our Dubuque dealership or training center here has three of my past management employees. So you know, it's like you build a good team and uh, they, they tend to follow with you. So I appreciate their guys' efforts and, and wanting to come back to work with me in, in a different uh, lane. Well, and I think your your role now is so cool, and I give a lot of credit to Truck Country in general for being one of the more progressive dealerships uh, in on the truck side, especially to to really kind of hit this head on. And and not only that, with with your ability to combine your technical skill with your personality, I think really is an attractive thing for getting 
you know, people into the industry and, and really kind of creating your own tax. Is that something that is, I mean, was it something you were looking for or it kind of found you in terms of that, that, that type of role and, and almost, I don't want to say mentorship, but really just, you're really good at that and it's fun to watch you do it. I think kind of twofold on that is I do have that. Um, most people have heard of the disc assessment and one of the, you know, I'm that cheerleader kind of guy anyways, and that's kind of been my personality for the most part. So, and again, I mean, like, like you said, and, and I've said it before myself, I really have that passion for the industry to have kids come up in and, and just keep passing it down. Um, but it did find me also when I was a service manager itself, the local, uh, our recruiter in the local schools were like, hey, let's, let's, I uh, want you to come down and we're going to do a little job fair at the school. And hey, they're going to come over and tour the dealership and visit. And I think what sparked me in that aspect was looking at some of the kids' faces and truly seeing the same passion that I had and felt. So it was cool when, when the kids walked through and it's like, oh man, this kid's interested. Right. And, it, and it just motivated me to do even more. So I've since then have kind of have a, a side gig of, of the recruiting of our program, our technicians, schools. Um, I've been on the advisory board with our local college here in ICC uh, for the seven past seven years now. And uh, I just, Again, yeah, I just love being part of that stuff and uh, keeping it going. Well, and I, one thing that I think is really refreshing, and I, I think we've got a lot of people like this in the industry that don't necessarily get the notoriety uh, from the standpoint of when somebody comes to see a Ray Clark or uh, somebody else, it, it's probably not what they had pictured in their mind, right? Like you, you're, you've got a, a, a great personality and, and are very motivating. And, you know, maybe a kid that's coming through high school might not picture the trucking industry that way, right? Like they, they might see the semis on the, on the road and never really think anything further than that. But if you can get them in and see that there are personalities in this business and that there are, you know, there there are professionals in this business, I think is what I'm trying to say. Um, and it's not just maybe the perception that they might have. Do you see something similar to that? Yeah, I mean, I, and I'm trying to think if it was on, I believe it was on your technician round table where uh, I, I think they were trying to be as professional as possible <laughs> where that, it, you know, they get their uh, backside busted a little bit and stuff like that. But as far as that goes, yeah, it's, it's not all, nuts and bolts and, and grease and grime and busting your knuckles all the time. As far as that goes, there is some professional and there can be some kind of some fun at it too. You work in a shop with a bunch of guys and when they really get it, 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 it brings the whole shop. I mean, you get a job that comes in the door and you have one technician that feels like he's been beating his head against the wall that, you know, I just can't figure it out or something. And it's been an hour and another guy walks over and, and the two of them, you know, the two of them all of a sudden nail it and they diagnose it and they walk away. Both of them were like with grins on their faces, like, ha, I can't be beat. Yeah. You know, so, um, and then even, like I said, you know, the professional side of it is that 
it, there is more to it. I mean, some leadership and want and drive. I mean, you can move up through, you don't have to be just that guy that is changing oil, greasing trucks every day or diagnosing trucks every day. Right. Well, so that's kind of our topic of the day, right? Is in uh, something that we want to dive further into and, and something, this is coming at the, uh, at the end of tech mission, which we really hit on a lot of topics very broadly, but we didn't really go deep into any of them. And that was kind of intentional because we want to start the conversation and, and then dive into podcasts like this to be able to get some of that, that good information out. One of the things you and I have had several conversations about is getting new people into the industry and what a challenge it is right now. Tell me a little bit about how we get more people into the industry, right? Or just your, your viewpoints on, on how we attract a, a younger generation to the trucking business or just to being a technician in general. Man, we got time enough. <laughs> I got a lot of things on my mind when it comes to that. It's like, uh, if you haven't noticed, uh, and I, I always say it, you got to think outside the box so much on on this. But, you know, on a, on a Freightliner DTNA, Daimler Trucks of North America, and on a standpoint like that, when you look at that, even they have really stepped up where they've got some programs out there right now. Uh, one of them is uh, kind of a lower level uh, uh, online type thing, but they partnershiped up with with schools and dealerships. So, and it's called the Get Ahead program. What's cool about that is that uh, a tech school and or a community college can sponsor with one of their local Freightliner Detroit dealers, and they can be offered Freightliner online training. So it's really cool that they, they offer OEM training now if you're sponsored by a local dealership. So you look at that and there's, there's an additional certificate in a sense, right? It's, it's, yes, it's all online, but now it corresponds with the curriculum and stuff going in. They've got a second part of the programs out there right now that's called Finish First. Um, they partnershiped up with like UTI and some other large schools where it's the next level where it's literally now it's a professional level. It's more instructor led. And with that, the schools and the local dealerships really both benefit because it, it should anyways, give some of those kids a little extra incentive, you know, to say, Hey, look, I really, you know, maybe I'm a Freightliner guy. So I want to steer into that. And I go that direction because not only do I get maybe my associate's degree with the school or my certificate, but I also get some OEM specific training that I can take during a job interview and say, Hey, I'm already system certified. And, you know, and it's nationwide, it's nationally recognized. And that's just, I mean, that's just one of the things all the way down to the point where I think we touched on it that how do you know, how do we get it in the face? You literally got to start into eighth grade or, or lower. And, and I've had people question me saying, eighth grade, they're not going to remember anything. Right. I said, I said, yeah, but you know, if it's one out of 10 that remember it, it it's one more that we got to, to move forward with. So one of my perspective and outlooks is that if you can partner up kind of with some schools and you start and you can keep it small, I've literally gone into a sixth grade classroom mm. and done a, you know, done a show and tell type thing, but you, you just got to think and, and say, okay, how do I bring it down into that, that age level? And, and it's simple. I mean, you literally just bring in 
little pieces parts. I mean, I've literally had from a lawnmower piston to a car piston to a truck piston so that they can get the concept of the size difference of, of a diesel engine and said, hey, how many times have your dad, has your dad broke something but fixed it and was happy about it? And so it's like if they can relate that stuff. And then if you do from eighth grade, say ninth and 10th, you start opening your doors and just give them a tour of the facility. Just do a little presentation. Again, stay in their face. This is how they don't forget about it. Now in 11th and 12th grade, bring it in a little more interactive, bring it into a, an internship or a job shadow type program. Oh, I mean, what are you really out besides maybe some additional time, maybe a few dollars really because job shadows can be non-paid. They're typically very short lived. So those are some of the things that I guess to try to get more stuff like that, even yeah. if it takes time for a service manager to take a technician and even if they could, you know, understanding the times right now, but when the schools open up where you could maybe do a, a show and tell and take a technician with you, I always say that if you've got a, a student slash kid that's coming back to you in 10th and 11th grade, and you know, you remember that face and name from eighth grade, and now he's knocking on your door as a senior, you, you got to know that his interest is kind of in that avenue. And you should be able to have a really good feel and say, hey, you know what? I remember you from eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th, 11th, and 12th, and you're back here knocking on my door. We might have a solid employee with this, with this one. So, you know, even if you lose a couple of them and they go to your competitors, man, as long as they're coming into the industry, we all need technicians. And it's, I guess it's not just the technician. When you look at it, we've got techs that have steered to the parts side of it and been awesome parts people. Yeah. That, that core foundation of getting that technical knowledge is so important. And one thing I want to point out that I, I thought was so cool in what you're talking about is really just like sales, right? You're understanding your demographic. And it's the same when you, when you reach out to young people to show them about the, the industry or the business that you're taking something that could be extremely intimidating for a sixth grader or a, even a freshman or sophomore in high school and breaking it down so that they can understand it and understand that they're, you know, they might not even know that there are technicians that work on these at that point. Right. And, and it's, it's a matter of trying to take the things that we, we take for granted on a daily basis because we're surrounded by all of this cool stuff and it became, you know, it can become somewhat mundane because we're around it and, and getting it and remembering like how cool this stuff actually is. Like this is, this is pretty awesome stuff. And uh, if you can get that level of excitement down to to uh, your your student, you know, the students and, and trying to generate more interest, I, I applaud you for that. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm jokingly, you know, even in sixth grade, there's kids that have fixed their own bicycles and you, you start bringing that up and say, hey, that shows that you have some mechan mechanically inclined to do some things. And just, you know, I jokingly say every now and then, hey, Tell me you guys haven't yourselves or seen your father fix something with duct tape and zip ties. Yeah. And it's like, they, you know, it, but it's that kind of stuff that could get some of them thinking even more. So how do you go about talking and, and maybe identifying what demographic could potentially 
want to be interested in the uh, in the industry. Like, so if you go into a classroom and you might see some that pique their interest, or uh, I know you had a story about talking to some of the gaming crowd, right? Yeah. Like, walk me through that a little bit. So, and I don't, I think what struck me on that was when I was putting my PowerPoint presentation together, I wanted to show the kids what some of the computer screens look like. And I kept thinking, I'm like, okay, so we're in the day of technology now. Probably 90% of the kids or more are always gamers and have something going on. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, so how can I relate this? How can I relate this? I got a, a screen full of um, graphs and numbers and how can they relate this? So I, uh, I simply in the middle of it, I'm just pop the screen up and I say, hey, who's the gamers in the room? And you see the one or two of them kind of shrink in their seats and everybody's pointing at them. I said, no, no, no. I said, this isn't to, this isn't to point anybody out by no means. I said, so my question to you would be is, how many things do you have going on in that screen while you're gaming? Well, you know, you get to, sometimes you get to, well, what do you mean? I said, well, when you're looking at that screen, how many things you got going on? I mean, there's more than just somebody running around doing this, doing that. I said, there's battery life. There's other things going on. You got headsets going on. They said, oh yeah, there's like lots of things going on. I said, so you're kind of multitasking. And they're like, yeah, they're trying to grasp that concept of multitasking at that age. But right. So I, I'm like, okay, so if you can play that game with about anywhere from five to 10 things going on, I said, how cool would it be? And I point to the screen up on the, on the board now and say, how cool would it be if we trained you to know and understand everything that's going on on that screen and to be able to diagnose a truck? And I said, and guess what? You wouldn't even get dirty doing it. And, and it's like now all of a sudden everybody that was pointing at them kind of are sitting up in their seat and they're kind of paying attention like, what? <laughs> so that's, to me, you know, it's, it's you don't, have to really be that farm boy or that gearhead all the time to think about today's world of diesel technology because it is so advanced. I'm not saying by any means that you're not going to start out, you're not going to push a broom, you're not going to clean up a, a, a truck and, and grease it and get dirty. You know, you everybody starts from the bottom and works their way up. Right. But I'm saying that if, if you have some goals and know where you want to go to, with training, you don't need to come from that, you know, that farm boy or that gearhead kind of uh, background. And I think that that's the toughest part to get around, right? Is we, we all have maybe a bias or a, a visual of who we think is going to be that next technician, but we might just be flat out wrong. Uh, and that, you know, I think, I think you're onto something there with identifying maybe different types of people to come into the industry than we've had in the past. I, I think that's a, that's brilliant. Yeah. And one, probably the, uh, on a side note to that a little bit even is, man, if you could hear maybe food for thought, and I don't think I'm, I'm just thinking of this now is food for thought, corral up some counselors, some school counselors and have a round table with them because every time I go to a, a career fair at a school, I hear the same thing from other companies and people putting that on that, uh, yeah, the counselors are still trying to steer students uh, into taking Spanish and stuff. And it's like, I literally had one of the women tell me, and she was a nurse, so she was there talking about nursing and stuff. 
the counselor went to her and about flat out got in an argument with her that her son needed to take up Spanish. And she goes, look, I know my son better than you do. Yeah. He is not going to go to a four-year school. He's not going to need to take Spanish. And it's, it's so that hurdle is still there. I, I feel it's, it's still the counselors need to, and I know they've got a job to do. Right. But they need to understand that, you know, our line of business is really pretty good. I mean, my sister, uh, she is a uh, paralegal, so she's got four plus years of schooling and degrees and everything else. And it's, I jokingly laughed with her when I came out of my college and said, hey, how much school do you got to pay for? <laughs> hey, guess what? I'm making more than you are already and you're four years ahead of me. So, yeah, you know, it's stuff like that. I mean, literally, I've gone through the ranks. I mean, I've in the auto world, I've seen some really good flat rate technicians have a higher annual salary than the, than the service manager themselves. And I'm sure it's still happening out there. So it's, it's, doesn't need to be looked at that dirty, grimy job anymore. I mean, it, there's so much more to it. How, how do you engage with high schools? And we just finished off a podcast with uh, Ben from uh, Verona high school here in Wisconsin. And I think he was, I don't want to say hesitant to ask for help, but I think he, there's some level of from a high school standpoint that they're trying to figure out what where their place is and what they can ask for. Uh, how do you how do you kind of lay out the red carpet for maybe a, a tech ed teacher or uh, you know a guidance counselor to get them to maybe and it might, it's kind of a dual a dual question right because I think you approach a guidance counselor different than you do a tech ed instructor. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so how do, how do you break down those barriers? So. I would, it, it, anybody with a current auto program right now in a high school and you're that tech ed instructor, I would instantly look around your surroundings and literally start knocking doors and have a meet and greet with if it's a dealership, even, a, even as an independent, a fairly large independent repair shop. Because I can tell you that if they can build a relationship and be able to kind of have a, a pipeline I think what happens is dealerships included get so busy that they forget about the other avenues that they have. And the instructors, I think because that door has never been opened in the past, I think some of those school instructors don't realize that all they got to do is ask sometimes and, and say something. We've, I mean, you look at truck country, we've got 25 locations in six different States. Mm. So we've got a huge footprint that, you know, uh, my name is out there. Um, and if it's not, you know, look it up, look in truck country. And uh, I'd be more than glad to start reaching out to more schools at different locations. Right. I do a lot here in Dubuque um, and trying to do those. Like I said, it could be as simple as a one day, twice a year, you bring a truck during, during their auto class and just let the kids see it, look at it. And, uh, do a short presentation for each class as they come through. But if the instructors probably the best thing for them to do is literally just reach out to uh, some dealerships and or independent shops and, and just start knocking some doors. I, and I think there's, there's some value in what you said about, especially in the past, right? The last couple decades, maybe shop owners or managers or whoever it is, 
found it really, really hard to take the time to go and talk to schools. And I think a lot of times it was just because they didn't prioritize it. You know, you had so much going on with your customers and so much going on with maintaining and building a company that you just didn't have time to do it. And I think we've gotten to the point where it's not a choice anymore, right? And and when a when a, a say a high school tech ed instructor, even a, a tech school reaches out to you and they don't get results off of it, I think they stop trying. And I think that's yeah. that's where we're at right now is uh, I think a lot of them tried in the past and didn't have much success with it. So then they just stopped trying. But that's where I'm hoping with events like Tech Mission or partnerships with Truck Country or whoever it is that we're able to, to bridge those gaps even further so that they know that, hey, things have changed a little bit here. It's not the way the industry always has been. And we do really, really want to help you guys out because the how successful you are impacts how on how successful we're going to be in the future. And and I think that's uh, you you've had some great points there, Ray. That's that's great stuff. Yeah, uh, like I said, I mean it's and it is. I mean I've been a service manager for many years years, and it's like okay, so like you said, you focus on the customer. Sometimes you get wrapped up in the business versus working on the business. Yeah, I 100% agree. So let's talk about, you know, it's obviously a problem. Um, and it, like you said earlier in the podcast, trying to get everybody on board. And even if you're, whatever you do to contribute to helping that tech school out or helping that high school out, ultimately ends up in, in a technician ending up in a competitive shop. One thing I love about that approach and people that are open to it is that I think that's where we stop taking texts from each other, right? Like, and, and stop like that, just swapping of texts because that's not really helping anybody. And when we get to the point where we can openly embrace that, hey, you know what, if, if we help out the school and it happens to result in our competitor getting another tech, at the end of the day, that's still a really, really good thing because it helped the industry. It helped, it helped us from, you know, them having to desperately need a tech and taking them from us. Uh, and I think you kind of have that, that viewpoint, don't you, Ray? Uh, definitely do. Um, very much so. And, and I've had multiple conversations with our VPs on it and, and they have the same thing. It's like, Hey, you know, for the most part, if somebody goes elsewhere, then hats off, at least they're in the industry. It shows that we need to do something better for improvement in a sense, right? Is, how do we become that company that everybody wants to come to work for? So um, you can't just be that one-sided of, oh, I'm not going to partnership up with them because I've got customer X around the corner that's our competitor and we're going to lose text to them. Well, honestly, it's the same aspect when you look at it on a customer base. You're not going to get every customer to your door neither. Right. And that's, you know, I, I hope we're starting to open those conversations to you know, to industry to really let's get into schools. Like let's, let's really, let's blitz these schools. And if it's, if it's trying to help your local tech school go out and help recruit high school students to get enrollment, I know a number of schools throughout the U S that are, you know, because of enrollment dangerously close to not being able to keep that part open, right. Or not being able to keep yeah. that diesel program or that automotive program open. And when that happens, then we're really in trouble, right? We've already seen it kind of in the, 
in the high school side, uh, I think, you know, where you guys are at in Iowa is probably a little bit better in terms of having automotive programs than what we are in Wisconsin. But if we start to lose traction on that, we're in real trouble because we're already fighting from behind, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, I'm in my high school days, I had machine shop, I had woodworking, I had uh, metal and small engines, we had CAD, we had typing, we had all those kind of the skill sets that that we use day to day now. And and it's so much has gone away from the high school. And like you said, if we start losing it in the in the tech school side of it now because of enrollments going down, you know, that and I think what you're seeing now is schools have realized that. Actually what I'll tell you is I think states have realized that. Yeah. And they're trying to empower and fund schools to partnership up with community colleges or tech schools so that they can do just that is okay we get it that you as a high school you can offer that but if we help you and help the college can we still have that vocational training and, and send students you know 10 miles down the road to a community college or a tech school for one period a day and can that be your diesel or auto program can yes. they still can they get a touch of that and like I said, for me in the company, with as big as we are, the footprint is I'm able to kind of see and hear what both Wisconsin and Iowa are doing currently and um, all the way over to the uh, to the Indiana side of it. We're, you know, seeing more of that. I've joined another advisory board out there and Good for you. They're, the same, they're in the same token, man. It's like, how do we, our, our you know, if we've got enough students that, that want to take it, we don't want to close the door. So if we have 40 students, but can only allow 20, they've literally asked me and said, okay, hey, could, could you guys offer a second class to help us keep these kids wanting to go in that direction? So it's cool that some people in the high end of schools realize that the skilled trades, it just, you can't wait until it, it can't be post-secondary anymore. It, it's gotta keep staying in the school front. Well, I, I want to touch on one more thing before we get off the school topic um, because of your experience. And that is guidance counselors, you know, kind of revisiting a part of our conversation from earlier. Any advice to those that are out there that are, that are saying, hey, you know what, I'd love to help my, my local high school out, but they, we, we see that there's a barrier there in a guidance counselor. Um, one, have you ever run across that? And two, uh, any advice on how to really kind of nurture that relationship um, I, I have a little bit and uh, what would be some advice would be that uh, I would encourage any counselor it's like anybody kind of and I don't want to call it and, and by any means single anybody out, but you know you get I think they talked about it they have that one bad egg type deal right right so you could have that same counselor that literally comes from a four-year degree and and that's all they think that needs to be and, and kind of I hate to say it but they live and die by that mentality I would encourage them to literally go to a dealership or ask if they can set up a meeting with a service manager and some of the senior techs and, and ask some appropriate questions of, okay, so what did you do, do during high school? Um, if you don't mind me asking, where's, what's your average salary or what are you doing now? Heck, just, uh, you know what? Show up at a dealership or a, a very good uh, repair shop, large repair shop at about 6.30 in the morning 
in the parking lot and watch what these guys drive in. Okay. <laughs> that that will tell you, you know, it's not they're they're not coming in in a rusted out pickup truck or a car or beat up or anything. I mean, to me that that says a lot, and that's where I like I said, everybody's like, well, how do you think of that stuff? I'm like, I'm telling you, you gotta you gotta think so far out left field sometimes that you gotta say to yourself, okay, so. To me, that's common sense, right? If somebody can afford a fairly new diesel pickup truck, then he's not working on minimum wage. Right. Those counselors that are, are, I guess if they are, I would encourage them to kind of try to go out and see what it's truly like, because I think that stigma of what we've been talking about is, that's ah, just a dirty, dirty, greasy, grimy job that, yeah, where, where are you gonna be? You're not gonna go far in life. Um, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll be more than glad to post my number and ask them, you know, to give me a call. And it's like, you know, by no means have I done terrible in life or anything like this. And, uh, you know, it's like, okay, people can get a little dirty for a living. And, uh, but in the end, you can make a very comfortable living in it. And it doesn't need to have that four-year degree hanging over their shoulders. Yeah. I, and uh, you and I feel exactly the same way in that regard. And, I think the hardest part that we're going to have as an industry, as we go and really get aggressive with with these, and I'm, I'm kind of picking on high schools a little bit here, just because I think that's that's at the stem of the problem from getting, you know, some of these tech schools seats filled is, you know, trying to change the perception, and it's something that I think we've been trying to change for a while, and until we get in front of these folks and really show them. You know, and and not only that, show them how cool of stories there are. And I look no further than what you showed me for uh, Truck Country Start, right? Like it started off in a very small town in Wisconsin and has grown into this juggernaut. And it was because of somebody that had some technical skill, right? That 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 was yeah. that was able to to do that. So I I just think there's you know there's so many stories like that of of a Ray Clark or of the McCoy family and how they started truck country. And, you know, there's, there's all kinds of stories like that. And we need to get those out in front of people because they're, they're such good stories and can help drive inspiration to people into our industry. Yeah. I want to, I want to just on that, I want to elaborate a little bit with the McCoys because truck country does have such a really large footprint and everybody's like, Oh, the McCoys the McCoys. And it's like, I truly respect these guys because um, I've seen it firsthand and I've heard all the stories where, um, you know, Mike in the early generations and, and all their sons, Greg, Doug, Brian, and John, nobody was just handed keys over to the kingdom per se. I mean, every single one of them have worked very hard at what they've done from uh, literally on the shop floor, cleaning shop, working in different departments, knowing and understanding every aspect of the business to today where they're at, you know, to, to being that you know, corporate ownership. And uh, like I said, that's the part of me that's kind of cool that you, same as we're talking about is it's just hard work wanting to drive that bus and, and bring people with you. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's something that, you know, that, that was a big part of us starting even this podcast, the Beyond the Wrench podcast was because there's a lot of really cool stories out there. And that's, that's where I'm always fascinated to start. You know, we start with people's backgrounds and I think it's fascinating because, and I go back to my own experience and growing up that 
I just expected that I was going to go into the industry, be a mechanic for the rest of my life. And that was that. And I was perfectly happy with that. And it wasn't until much later on in life, uh, you know, as I got out of high school and, and went to tech school and even into my you know early 20s that I, I really didn't know the opportunities that were out there and and the career paths that are out there. And that's, you know, I, I think that's another vital piece and something you guys do a good job of. Talk to me a little bit about that. How important is it for a, uh, when you get that young tech into your business to be able to, to let them know, you know, that there are paths and that it's, it's uh, if there's something that they want to do other than being a technician, there, there are opp opportunities. Yeah, I think, I think that's the one thing that the, the McCoys and, and EP Dan Armstrong has really progressed at. And, uh, you know, the hire from within when they start to see that leadership role come up. I mean, we've got, um, we've got a general manager that literally came from a wash boy standpoint. So, it, I mean, so from the floor, like I said, but there are so many opportunities. Nowhere, like I said, nowhere in my mind would I ever think that in my early uh, age that I am today, would I be sitting overseeing, you know, training centers like this when I was, you know, I think back and it's like, okay, yeah you know, seemed like yesterday I was busting knuckles and doing that stuff. And then I was leading a team underneath me of mechanics. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm sitting in the driver's seat of, of this, but they do a really good job in, of making sure that there's opportunities if that individual actually wants to. So you got to have a little bit of that drive, like I said, in that leadership, but there are opportunities. I mean, in our company alone, you look at it, you could go into, IT, marketing, sales, parts, service. Um, I mean, we even have a footprint now um, in the northern area of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Minnesota. Uh, we've got seven John Deere dealerships. So we've got, you know, the good thing with us, and again, not to kind of betray us, but the opportunities when you get with a large company is, hey, I just met a girl from Wisconsin and I'm living in Iowa right now. Um, I really don't want to leave truck country or the company I'm working with. And guess what? They happen to be another location near where she, her and her family want me to move up to. And all of a sudden it's boom, you've transferred over to another location and you don't lose anything as far as, you know, your 401, your insurance plan doesn't have to change. Uh, your training stays with you and all that. So there are a lot of avenues and opportunities. I think that, people look at saying, okay, well, I'm just a technician. Well, you can be more than that. We've got, we've got fleet trainers that literally came off the floor. Uh, Josh was one of the ones on your technician roundtable, and he was uh, one of my A technicians, diagnostic guys. And, uh, you know, I was like, uh, you know what? I got in the role and I'm thinking he'd be a good fleet trainer because he's, he's, at that age where he's still mobile, he's still going 100 miles an hour, and, he, and he's got every bit of technology in his head, and he's just open for more, and he's, and he's willing to digest as much as we can feed him. And uh, so we literally moved him over to one of our, our fleet instructors where he runs uh, around the countryside, really helping out our large customers to give them the basics of uh, – the, the industry and training on the Freightliner products. So there are avenues like that. Yeah. And I, th the more we can get those stories out of a Josh uh, to show that there, there are paths and that there are, 
you know, when, when you're smart and you work hard in this business, that opportunities seem to present themselves. And I, I, I can't state that enough. And especially for you young techs out there that might be listening to this, that's, that's the one piece that I really like to get across is that, you know, the biggest piece is getting started and, and getting that, that background and that, that foundation of technical expertise, because once you get that, the sky's the limit and you can work on other, you know, other skills and, and really view it as a craft. And the more you refine your craft, the, the, the more opportunities you're going to have. And, and uh, I, I think you're uh, one of the best at it, Ray, in terms of being able to get the best out of people and uh, not only just technicians, but people in general. Thank you. We're rolling up on our time here today, but I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being on today. No, hey, thank you very much for the invite. I, uh, like I said, I think we share the the passion to to kind of talk about it and get people interested in uh, what we like. Yeah, well, it won't be the last time we have you on the podcast. I, I promise you that. We'll uh, we'll get you back on here sometime, hopefully in the very near near future. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Jay. Thank you, Ray. Mm-hmm.